For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. It's perfect. That's right. My name's Tony Don. It's the C3 Panthers podcast tonight with a special episode Double or nothing. It's our little version of the talking dead, except for we're talking Carolina Panthers, all or nothing. Cody Lashney, my co-host, my producer house tonight. How are you doing, my friend? I am wonderful, my man. And yes, Adam, Beyonce is old school. I don't care what anyone says. Cam had it right the first time. And you never turn off TLC at practice, baby. What's up? Tony, it's a Sunday night, but you know what? The song remains the same, and nothing to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. So on July 19th, the Amazon release was going to release Amazon Prime's All or Nothing series focusing on the Carolina Panthers, the much-anticipated debut, the one that Cody Lashney told us would be happening back in October We knew it. We were ready. I was on the edge of my seat. And then on Thursday night at 7 p.m., I start to see people talking about watching it. And my wife was out with a friend. So my kids were like playing, you know, video games or whatever they were doing at the time. And I just binge watched episodes one through four. And I would have watched every single one of them had I not had to work the next day, my wife not come home. And uh, it was a pretty intense experience, Cody. I would say I was on the edge of my seat in those first initial episodes. The excitement of being with this team, the excitement of seeing your heroes, their beautiful mugs, their beautiful faces, and the excitement that surrounded the opening of last season. How do you feel now that you have watched the Amazon All or Nothing series. I feel that it was revealed to me that the stability of the locker room of the Carolina Panthers is based off of a few different core members, chief among them being guys like Cam Newton and Greg Olson. I mean, these guys are the emotional, the mental, the physical leaders of this football team. And you you got to experience all the ups and downs, and it made you feel for them even more because you got to see it from a more personal perspective. Um, You really got to understand, one, how tough Cam Newton is 
and and just how important he is to the locker room. Um, a, a lot of different different storylines to follow. And I do want to clarify for people uh, asking in the chat, we're talking about all or nothing. This is why we're live on the Sunday night, chatting about the show, chatting about some things that happened. And uh, we will be back on Tuesday night. But I definitely came away happy that David Tepper is the new man in charge of the Carolina Panthers. It is a man who has the vision for the future of this football team. And one that I trust, to be honest with you, I trust that David Tepper will deliver on all his plans and ideas for the Carolina Panthers. And I love that. Shout out to everybody in the chat room. Yes, it is a special episode where we're going to be looking tonight at episodes one through three of Amazon Prime's All or Nothing, focusing on the Carolina Panthers. The latest season was revealed this past weekend. And we, boy, have been highly anticipated. I do want to warn everybody who is listening, we're doing this as a bonus podcast separate from the show and in three separate installments from the C3 Panthers podcast because we want uh, everyone to enjoy this this documentary at their own pace but also be able to interact with Panther fans when they have watched it. So if you are tuning in tonight, be aware there will be spoilers. We will be getting into the details. We're going to yeah. try to avoid some of the conversations after episodes three. We will bring that to you later this week. But we will, if, if you have not watched it yet, and you are concerned about finding out something that you wanted to be revealed the way you, when you watch it, here is your warning. It is the Game of Thrones rule right here is that we cannot spoil the show for anyone else. Now, let's start, Cody, by talking about our overall thoughts of the show. And when I watch in or after um, the overall thoughts of the season in some ways, and also in me, when I tried to sum up the first three episodes, I tried to keep look at a couple of things that overlaid those episodes and the full season. I made a little list here. My number one thing, overall thought about the Amazon Prime sh- uh, All or Nothing, is I think C3 Panther podcast listeners may actually be a little disappointed and let down when this series is all said and done. It's amazing in some ways. It's amazing to be with your team, but I'm telling you, there was so much that was not even mentioned. There were so many moments in that season, so many players, so many instances that we wanted to finally get the inside juice on, and we got nothing. I'm telling you, I'm not even sure if James Bradbury is even a Carolina Panther after watching this show. And look, we could have said, I know, I think we did an over under on uh, Cameron artist Payne being in this show. Colin Jones was in this show more than James Bradbury because he had an he had a fumble recovery for a touchdown, but hell it was, it was really good, but it was also a lot to be, that left me wanting to know more. Yeah, it, there was a few people overall that I was kind of left wanting to know more about. Um, I, I only remember Vernon Butler because Ron Rivera uh, chews him out at a certain point. Um, I, I, I mean, there are a lot of people that if they 
they definitely decided to focus on the people that were most important on the football team without question and how important they are to the team. And uh, really that's Cam Newton, Greg Olson, yeah, you know, Julius Peppers, Thomas Davis, Luke Kixley, when they were there and, and it was really a show about them and Ron Rivera and uh, uh, the through line of how they handle adversity and how they handle winning and how they continue to fight even after being injured. And I know one of the things that we're going to talk about that took both of us by surprise is that, man, Greg Olson got hurt early on the first game of the season. I mean, imagine you haven't worked from December or January until, until, you know, August or September. And the first game of the season you hurt yourself, and then you don't get to work anymore. You have to be on the shelf. I mean, you want to be out there with your teammates, and seeing Greg Olson get hurt that way, and then hear him, you know, say, you know, get all pissed off about it. And I don't know about y'all, but I did not have the censored edition on Amazon. Some people messed up and watched the one where they blip out all the cuss words. I did, did you not. hear Cam talking about that? No. So after. They watched that special Thursday um, where they watched it, like kind of had a blue carpet event. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. Debuted it. Is that afterwards they had a panel up there? It was like Cam Newton. Um, I forget who else was up there. Some of the Amazon people that made the show, maybe like somebody leading the discussion. And Cam was like, uh, man, uh, because he brought his kids to see it. Yeah. That's what he is. He's like, but he's like, y'all couldn't play the bleep or bleep beep that out. And they were like, well, that's actually available. He was like, well, why yeah. did you play that? <laughs> it was really funny. Cam was super lovable in that. But look, is here is that this actually this part may this might peek into episode. It might be episode three, to be honest. So uh, we could still be Adam Sanders isn't revealing anything beyond our kind of outline that we're trying to do. But he said, look, they didn't even talk about they didn't even show the Malcolm Jenkins and Eric Reed thing in the Eagles game or that body slam he put on Ertz. I mean, that alone didn't even make it. I want to say this here. Here are players who here are players that were not in this show at all. KK Short. Trey Turner. Did he? I'm going to have yeah, to go never, back and rewatch because I yeah, didn't it, even it, feel like I never, met him. No, he never had a segment on him, but you heard him say a few things like every once in a while. But yeah, Shaq Thompson? Yeah, no Shaq. <laughs> right? No, no James Shaq. Bradbury. And uh, nothing about the offensive line problems. What about Moten stepping in and taking on a starting role uh, yeah, as a rookie? What no about Matt Khalil? Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel didn't have hardly any time on the show at all. I mean, they definitely chose to um, stick to a, a few different key players in the locker room. They even did a little uh, piece on Norv Turner and uh, everything Norv Turner did with the Cowboys and Troy Aikman and what he was able to do for them and how optimistic they are about him with Cam Newton. And I do love what North Turner said in that introductory meeting that, you know, we have the hardest weapon to game plan for 
in the NFL in Cam Newton, and we're going to utilize our offense around that. So that does let me know that Norv does know what a special player he does have in Cam Newton, and that's hopeful as well. Despite me starting off this discussion by talking about how disappointed I am about what they didn't talk about, um, I, I my friend Clip on Pirate Radio, I go on every Friday on the sports bar, and he was asking me my initial reaction to this, and I was kind of talking about that. And he said, what you need is the Truman Show, where you can just watch him all day, every day, like just the big brother of the Carolina Panthers. That's the only thing that's going to satisfy you, Tony. It's true. But my second overall takeaway, despite being disappointed and uh, wanting more, this was still pretty damn awesome. It was really awesome to to watch. I was uh, let me just say this: I watched those first three episodes, couple of episodes, pacing. I was uh, I was drinking beers like crazy at that point. It was I was by, I was having a, the best time. I was up, down, cheering. I mean, I was like pumped, like I was in the game. I was like, go get him! When Cam took the helmet yes, to the head, I was like, he's a Good warrior! I was like that, yeah. So so it was awesome. Dude, I was reliving the season through this show. Dude, there were times during the Philadelphia game and uh, uh, and the Baltimore game. Dude, I was losing my mind, dude. When Cam Newton put that block, uh, that uh, that uh, uh, crack back block, uh, to help uh, Curtis on that touchdown. Dude, Cam puts him in the fucking dirt. Boom! Boom! I know y'all saw that shit, right? Dude, I I was yelling at my screen. I needed a volume. I was over the moon, excited. Now, that that will go. That does. um, What contributes to that is that the start of the season was a very uplift. Like, everybody's happy at that point. You're happy. You're winning games. Um, I, I did. And, and then my third, so I was, it was intense. So despite me being dissatisfied with the scope of the series, it was really awesome to get to get those intimate moments. And then yeah. that leads me to my third overall takeaway from the show without revealing anything from the back end of, you know, just kind of looking what overlay overlays episodes one through three in the whole season. Cody, I, I felt and experienced a validation when I watched this show. Yes. For the last six years, seven years, I've come on this podcast each and every week. I've yelled, I've screamed, I've celebrated, I've cheered. I've told you what I truly think and what I feel about this team and what I see. And I've tried to be just a fan in the process, but I don't want to gloat, but I was fucking right. I was <laughs> right, dude. I was right about Cam Newton. And it wasn't this. I was not. Somebody asked me, were you worried about nervous about watching this and the guys that you think are going to what you they are that they turn out to be different? And I think there is a certain degree of anxiety about that. They do say you don't want to meet your heroes in real life because you will be disappointed. But I tell you, after watching this entire series, I'm not disappointed. In fact, the guys that I've, uh, I've been trumpeting 
Cam Newton, I think more of them now. Yeah. Ron Rivera, think more of them now. Yeah. Greg Olson, think even more of the of him now. I actually believe that our this whole idea about having a great locker room, having great guys on our team, that we just you know it's convenient to say that about the small time you're some small town you're hoping it. It's really true. It's really fucking true. These guys, yeah. Cam Newton might be the best teammate in the entire league. Yeah, dude, Cam, and listen, Cam Newton is, you know, the first one to put the blame on his shoulders. He knows that the team lives and dies with him, and he's the first one saying, I got to make that throw. I got to be able to do this. I got to be able to do that. And we've argued back and forth whose fault, what specific play is, um, you know, on, on different occasions, but to Cam Newton, it doesn't matter. He has to make every throw. He wants to be able to, you know, do every single thing that the quarterback has to do. And one of the things that I love that he mentioned early on is he's willing to do things out there that other quarterbacks just aren't. He's prepared to break uh, four to times. pancake block people. Yeah, yeah, to pancake block people to uh, run through a safety and truck a corner. Cam doesn't care, man. Cam wants to win, and he is willing to sacrifice his own health for the football team. And, you know, I, I mean, it, it sucks to say, but, man, knowing what what this season did for us, how it, it forced us to put pieces around Cam Newton, how it forced us to put pieces on the defensive line, as heartbreaking as it was, Man, I, I'm happy that it all happened and that we were able to see it unfold. You're listening to a bonus episode of the C3 Panthers a short series on double on on the all or nothing program done by Amazon on the Carolina Panthers. Tonight's show, Double or Nothing, part one of three. Guys, everybody in the chat room already making so many fantastic points. Go ahead and smash that thumbs up button. Subscribe to the C3 Panthers podcast on YouTube, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at cat underscore chronicles. Now, one of the things that I mentioned earlier, Cody, is that this sense of validation, it was a real feeling of validation because I have been described as of pulling out my Twitter sword in defense of Cam Newton. I have been a Ron Rivera supporter for a long time who uh, was only in the recent years started to cool on some of the questions about how he was dealing with this adversity. And um, But overall, we've battled on this podcast trying to take down some of these lazy storylines when it comes about the Carolina Panthers. And this show destroyed those storylines. Number one, destruction. And this is what people are talking about in the chat room. Shout out to Lee Trotter joining the conversation tonight. He says, all uh, the talk about Cam that is not a leader was put to rest. Anyone still saying that is a flat-out idiot or troll? And I think that is 
that's number one is this is that the number one storyline destroyed by this by even in the first episode the first three episodes and the entire series is that cam newton is not a good leader and a good teammate i think we i mean it was easy to see at every point that he was all of those things and more Right. So when you look and you think about that series, Cody, in those first couple of episodes, was there anything else that kind of stuck out to you about how the leadership of Cam Newton or the teammate? I, I For me, I want to say this. Let's go ahead and play the Hamilton clip. To me, this is it. We thought about this is that here is a moment to me that shows a mature, a matured Cam Newton as a leader of this team. And a good teammate. This is a small segment, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Can I rise up? That's Andrea Day. She played in it in Hamilton. Is that a play? Go see it. It's about the founding of the United States. The Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton, Thomas Jefferson. So, like, for an example, George Washington's the president, and they hold a cabinet meeting. Are there any black people in there? The whole cast yeah. is black and Hispanic. <laughs> the entire, the entire, they're all white people. You guys are going. Um, <laughs> please don't talk, please don't talk. So George Washington is the president, right? Yeah. So instead of holding a cabinet meeting between Thomas Jefferson, his, his um, secretary of state, and Alexander Hamilton, his treasury secondary, they have a cabinet battle. And he's the rat. So like in the middle of the play, they pull out like mics and he's like, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, the cabinet meeting. We got Secretary of State, and he does like a rap battle. He's like, all right, you're up first. Yeah, and this is, I like this last part. each other about whether or not they should sign the Treaty of Paris. Uh, it's really all these people Thomas, that you name are white, nice, though. Are they white or are they? Uh, the people playing them are not white. The, oh, that's what I was That's, yeah. that's, yeah. that's what I'm asking. All right, so these guys are over here having a... C- it's serious. I mean, they're telling it's us. It's historical. It's all real. It's real. <laughs> so it's all the old guys hanging out. It's it's Cam. It's Cam. Greg. You see Tory Smith there. You see Jarris Wright in the in that. But this is just one of many snippets in this show that you get to see that Cam Newton and the way he interacts with the with his teammates is not one about me, me, me. That, and that's what we've been told. We've been told, or not we've been told, because we won't listen to that nonsense. But we have heard the national narrative always say that Cam Newton is cocky, that he's self-absorbed, that he that he doesn't know how to deal with hardship and adversity. He's not a good teammate, and he's not dedicated enough to the details of the game. And guess what? There is not one moment in that damn show that indicates that or anything like that. And you know damn well they would have put it in there if it was. Yeah, uh, and there wasn't any. And it it confirmed who we thought Cam Newton was, that he is a a leader on and off the field. And, uh, I mean, there are moments when, you know, know, in Cam's time here – People in question whether or not, uh, you know, he's a powder and he's putting uh, the towel over his head and getting all emotional and in his feelings. And listen, I don't know. We didn't have cameras throughout all of Cam Newton's time here. I can speak to who we know he is now. And as a 30-year-old man, he is he knows what he means to the organization. 
I mean, that that's a hundred percent it. He knows that, you know, if he is on the field, he's their best chance at winning the football game. So Cam Newton has kind of shown everyone uh, uh, that he isn't who the Colin Cowherds of the world say that he is someone that's selfish or someone that's a me first type of person. Cam Newton is going to go out of his way and put his body on the line for the betterment of the football team winning the, winning the football game. So, yeah, we know who Cam Newton is. Um, any other storylines that you think were destroyed by this Amazon Prime series? I know Cam's one. I think for you, Matt, I think personally, I was going to ask you, were there any personal ones destroyed, i.e. Ron Rivera? Yeah, Ron Rivera to me came off, I don't know, much more personable. So, I mean, I, I know we're only talking about one through three right now, but everything that happened later on with him and Devin Funches and how he handled that uh, scenario and just uh, how – how Ron talks to the team. I mean, he really is the the leader of that football team. And I don't know if this is weird for anyone else, but hearing Ron Rivera cuss like that, I mean, really lay into him and go after him, man, it's so different from the Ron Rivera that you're presented at a press conference and the one that you hear, you know, uh, oh, we have to uh, not um, – you know, all the small things. We have to make that sure. is so exciting to me, though, Cody, yeah. because if those were concerns that we really had, what we just learned is this, is that he does not do that at the worst times. You know, is that that that's the thing is keep your composure on the fucking field while your team's watching while the players are watching, while the opponents are watching, and then get in the yeah. locker room and peel the paint off the walls. Yeah. Keep your composure in the press conferences. Keep your head about you. Now, I do think that there was – we'll see at the as we get into parts two and three of this podcast that you will be a little wondering where is – there's some more frustration and disappointment that we didn't get a peek into at times. But I think Ron Rivera rises – in this and um i'm gonna ask you this question in in the background of that is is there anybody that grew on you that and and you and ron rivera if that's the one you want to pick that is ultimately fine who rose up in your book and maybe who fell in your book i mean the person that 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 i i'll say uh, it's tough, man, because my answers are related to something that ends up happens happen that happens later on. I'll, I'll say this: my my riser, but he's not. There's not someone that that um I I felt better for. It's someone that I felt sorry for, and that was Devin Funches. Mm. And, and he's a faller, in my opinion, still, but, and he was already in the basement. Yeah, I mean, he was already a faller, but man, he had it rough uh, at, a, at a minute there and um, my follower um, and not permanent follower and I know that Dante Jackson has uh, had some things to say about his portrayal but um, I, I felt Dante really showed how young uh, and new he is to the NFL. I didn't remember he had so many, he had so many picks last year. Yeah, he had four. 
Oh, so they just uh, they just made sure every one of them. I mean, that's still a lot. Oh yeah, that was that's a, a ton for your rookie year, a four pick season. That's the same Josh Norman had uh, in 2015. Oh, and that's what we have to talk about too. That's in episode. That's in part two. So we'll yeah. get to that next week. All right. So here I'm gonna I'm gonna come out here and say this is that I think that the answer that people expect me to say is Cam. Because, you know, I gush about Cam, and the story was just so awesome about, like, his leadership, all those things I've already talked about. But for me, it's going to be a surprise one. Greg Olson. Greg Olson rose the ranks in my book. So one of the things about Greg Olson, I have never disliked him at all. So there's no dislike in this. But I've always just a little been slightly in the background. I didn't want to admit it at all. Suspicious about how perfect of a person he is. Everybody, look, he looks brilliant. You know, he's got that chiseled damn jawline. He's like a beautiful person. He's a great spokesman for the team. He's got the story with his kids and the heart problems and this and that. He's even got the old G-Reg back in the day. But he's just, he means so much to the team. And I was just, that was one that I was a little worried. I just was like, man, is he perfect? And you know what? Turns out, yep, he is cooler. He is, um, he's a he's a dude's dude. Like, he's just a guy that fits in in anywhere, in any situation. He talks with the fellas. He represents the team. He's honest. He's a super dad. He's coaching his kid's team. He's even freaking hurt and all of that and playing Candy Crush like a big giant nerd. Yeah, on his back playing Candy Crush, bragging about how fast he uh, beat the next level. Yeah, I mean, listen, Greg Olson, and that's what made you hurt for him even more, um, you know, as he hurt his foot, as he had to be on the sideline. And one of the things that I noticed that the narrator, uh, John Hamm from Mad Men, if you didn't know that, um, kept on uh, going over was that, you know, that has been Cam Newton's best, most reliable weapon from the moment that he's gotten here, man. It's been Greg Greg Olson has been, I I believe Tory Smith uh, said the security blanket. You know, I mean, that's Cam Newton's friend. That's his weapon. The way Cam Newton and Greg Olson hug after they do something, dude, that's a testament to a, a real friendship. And you really understand that when people talk about the culture of our locker room, you really do get to see that and how and how they all relate to one another. And Greg Olson is a linchpin of so many of those relationships. Here's a this was Tory Smith talking about Cam Newton's relationship with uh, with Greg Olson after breaking the foot and right in the first episode. It means a lot, you know. That's Cam's blankie, <laughs> you know. Like they have uh, different type of chemistry, and uh, it's Cam's blankie right there. Uh, and yeah, so I thought that Greg uh, Olson's personality—you could see why he's headed for the booth. I was—I mean, you know what? I just—I was a little surprised that somebody who had a perfect persona already could win me over more. 
That's why I would say he is a riser for me. Uh, John Kidco Barrera says Cam showed his leadership style when talking to Ian Thomas on the sidelines in episode two. That confirmed my admiration uh, of Cam Newton after that scene. You know, you get there, you get Ian Thomas. This actually brings me to another point I wanted to talk about after we saw those first three episodes. Shout out to J-Dub in the house, too. What up? Um, So... Our players are likable. And I know I wanted to love them no matter what, and I'm going to love them no matter what. They could have been assholes, and I still probably would have liked them at the end of the day. But I, in preparation or anticipation of the show coming out, Cody, I went back and started watching some of those episodes from season three with the Cowboys. And let me tell you what. The Jason Garrett is a giant doofus. Ron Rivera is a dude that would beat the shit out of Jason Garrett, right? Number Number two, Dak Prescott, I didn't watch it go all the way back and watch the whole thing, but he's absent ultimately in those first early episodes. And you know what that tells me? He ain't got no damn personality. Yeah, he's Zeke, inconsequential. Yeah, Zeke is, 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 a, is a headache yeah. the whole time. Like, he looks disinterested in the media. And he's not disrespectful. It's not that I'm saying he's a bad dude. It's just like he's not even – he's not endearing. The the dude that was the the wide receiver, uh, who is that? Who's Des Bryant? Is a giant asshole. The whole time. And, and, did you, and did you ever imagine a scenario where one of the veterans of the Panthers would ever act like Des Bryant does? Look, like Dante Jackson, like they kind of depicted right. Dante Jackson was a guy that had just broke the touchdown record for the Cowboys. Yeah, you would never ever see that from a veteran on the Carolina Panthers. So and- our our team, Cody, is is likable. They're good. They're devoted to this. I've what I learned about this is that it turns out that the the centerpiece, like the anchors of our team, whether it be Cam Newton to Luke Keekley to um uh McCaffrey, go on down the list. I would say even Ian Thomas and Manhurts, you're looking at this. These guys are all just very, very athletic individuals who are physically beautiful, but on the inside, giant fucking nerds. Yeah, yeah. They're nerds, and that's awesome. You know what I'm saying? Like they're good people. Like you're like people that you would play PlayStation with and have watch let you watch your kids. Yeah, they'd be my friends because yes, I, they would be your friends. Be We're just friends. not beautiful physically and athletic like you. The only difference between us and them is I don't have that chiseled fucking jawline Greg Olson has. I mean, hey man, speak for yourself. I'm a handsome being. I don't know about you, but yeah, I do hear what you're saying. You know, nerds, nerds. They're they're my kind of people. You could see yourself vibing with them, just bullshitting about nothing in the world. Yeah, I mean, you felt like you got... Okay, we spend our Sundays shouting our asses off, cheering for these guys that play for the Carolina Panthers. And then to have, you know, your inclinations confirmed about who they are as people. I mean, how are you not a bigger fan of the football team? I'm more of a fan now than I was before, and I didn't know that was possible. So it was incredible. All right. Yeah, let's break down the first three episodes, kind of not in detail, but specifics to those episodes. 
And and the reason I'm jumping to that right away is this is number one, what I took away from episode one. Obviously, in episode one, they introduce the background of the team with Cam Newton, Ron Rivera going to, to the Super Bowl in 2015. The disappointment of that, the addition of North Turner, but also a big uh, focus on Cam Newton's 2017 shoulder surgery. Obviously, knowing that that shoulder storyline would be a, a part of 2018. But ultimately, what I came around away with from episode one is these guys are lovable. You know what I'm saying? And I and I wrote my notes here. F everyone who has uh, who who says cam is a cancer compare this to zeke in the last season cam's the goat right and so it, it was a highlight of his personality i felt like greg olson's personality and and you, you know you're going to get to learn ron rivera but that episode one was kind of just a setup kind of a background episode they do take you through the dallas game the excitement of winning that in a close game low scoring game and I really just said, uh, my notes were Olsen's foot in game one. Crap. I didn't remember it was that early. And these yeah. camera angles are dope. Those are my notes. <laughs> these camera angles are awesome. Where do we get to see this? And why don't we get to see more of these angles on fucking television? Yeah, I know. I, I wish that you could watch a behind-the-scenes documentary of every season. Like, it was just you could choose to watch whatever team you wanted to. Uh, that would be incredible. Yeah. Oh, that would be. That All right. So, so the first episode goes through that win with uh, Dallas. And then number two, the second episode covers ultimately where I think it focuses a lot on that uh, Atlanta episode uh, game. Yeah. The first loss. And that was when the hurricane was. Yep. That's exactly right. Is they talked about Hurricane Flor- Florence. Was it Florence? Uh, yeah. Matthew, yeah, Florence. no, Florence or Matthew, yeah, Florence. one or two, and then okay. it, uh, and it, if you go back, I didn't do the post game for that Falcons game because I had water literally coming through my roof from Florence, and I live in Charlotte. So, oh just, wow, yeah, I remember that. that That's game. right, I remember. Yeah, you did have problems. Yeah, yeah. So in that Atlanta game, Cody. I, I think there were a couple of things that we weren't accustomed to seeing. First of all, is Tevin Coleman ran all over us all in that game. And, and I, the first indicator of our run defense going to shit for the rest which of the they, Why did they not highlight that a little bit more? You know, and put that kind of in a context, maybe not in that episode, but the struggles on defense, like just not being, we went from them talking about, man, this defense can be really good to, they can't stop nobody. And You're right. It was that Coleman just annihilated us in that game. But really what stands out in that is that moment. Do you remember where Cam, I, this is where I stood up and I yelled, he's a Warrior man, yeah. <laughs> here's Cam. Uh, here's Cam Newton. Ron Rivera's upset as Cam Newton runs on fourth down, converts the fourth down, slides, and gets hit in the head. Here's Ron Rivera on the incident. That's an ejection. That's a theory. That's egregious. That should be an ejection. 
There's the replay right here. Looks like every official that had a flag threw it. Newton slid down, was giving himself up early, and the Falcons came in in an unsporting way. This should be an ejection. That should be an ejection. That was to the head. That was egregious. That was egregious. The good thing is... Ron Rivera's fired up on that. That was a big moment. I remember being to that point. Here's Cam Newton getting up from it, Cody. That was egregious. The good thing is he came off under his own power. <laughs> that warrior cry, baby. You can't stop me. You can't stop me. You can't stop me, man. Uh Great, great moment right there. Or not, that was a terrible moment, but it was a great moment to see that th- those signs of Ron Rivera uh, and Cam Newton both there. Yeah, and look, man, especially in Atlanta, that's where Cam Newton was born. Like, Cam Newton's a warrior, man. Dude, the guy flipped a truck on a bridge going to the stadium and was smiling as they were putting him into the into the ambulance, dude. Like, you, you couldn't make Cam up if you tried. He is Superman. So the the fact that Devontae Casey just lit him up and then he gets up, screams at the fans in Atlanta, goes to the sideline and comes back. And we were in that game, y'all. And we were in that game to the very end. If DJ Moore would have caught that pass in the end zone at the very end, it would have been the tie ball game. We would have been moving on to overtime. It just shows you, dude, Cam is a warrior. And I'll double back to that whole point that he is willing to go through and do more than any other quarterback in the NFL right now. If you look after that loss, after the loss to Atlanta, they're in the meeting room, full team meeting. And um, Cam Newton is on the front row in the very center seat. Yeah. He is the star freaking pupil right there. Wait for like uh, to me, he's showing a lot of this, just a lot of things that we need to see. In fact, I would say after this episode and after this series, but after that play too, you know, that thing that's going around on the internet, Cody, where everybody is putting their old faces on people. Yeah. You know, it's like the aging software or whatever. Face out. Yeah, it had me thinking about this, and and that is if Cam Newton – in fact, the Panthers did it to some of the players. They did the face aging like to their own faces and put out some pictures. If Cam Newton was our quarterback in like 2052, I would only be mildly disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, oh, he is kind of getting on the back end of his career, but we still got a little bit left in him. It's amazing this. I, I, I saw that. So in that episode, episode two, what they did is they also, so you see that, and then they hit him on the bye week because we got a third week bye. A week, our bye was like in week four. Week, th- week four, maybe? Yeah, week four was our bye week. So we played Dallas. We played the Falcons. We beat down the Bengals. They, they covered that pretty quickly. And then you hit the bye week, and that's when you're introduced to F.A. Obata, who had more time on this damn show than, gosh, than a lot of other important people. He did have a giant, giant freaking game against the Bengals. I think it was the Bengals that he did that. 
was that the game that he had the four whatever the this and the that and the the interception the strip sack the t- whatever like yeah, yeah, had was, a giant uh, freaking game yeah it was yeah Cincinnati was one and then I think it went off against Philadelphia too so they 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 had that and then um the the last thing after episode two that I came away with is they were showing when they introduced the thought that Eric Reed was gonna was being considered potentially for the team at the end of episode three, two, before they signed him, you know, because that's where they're closing it. They start talking about the protests that are hitting the NFL. And they mention in one segment, they say Eric Reed was the first to join Colin Kaepernick. And when they showed the game where he did it, I think it was against the Carolina Panthers. What? That's my question to C3 listeners and Panther fans out there. Was the first knee Eric Reed ever took at Bank of America, actually, just with the damn 49ers? Uh, it may have been. I don't know. I don't um Go back and watch it. I'm putting the whole everybody on. That's y'all's homework. Is that the question? That's what I wrote down. I was like, I need to go figure this out. So we're going into episode three, and Eric Reed joins the team, Cody. That's the story. Last year, we were pounding on the table, and they feature this. And here is uh, this is Tepper talking about signing Eric Reed. I'm not unafraid of what people think, so so to speak. But I, you know, I try to do the right thing. My unafraid of taking risks, smart risks. Yeah, no, I'll take smart risks. So that's the story. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not Eric Reed was an intelligent risk, so to speak. I think people understand that you're trying to make a team better. You're signing the best available person. Um, and look, it took a little bit of uh, um, you know, what's that word? Balls to do it. But, you know, you want to do things the right, right way, and they have to be intelligent risks. So you mentioned this, Cody, that Tepper is, when we were talking before the show, that one of your overall takeaways take is Tepper is the man. He's talking about there. He's the guy that's going to okay the signing of Eric Reed. Not only did we probably come away with a better takeaway before we get into Eric Reed of Tepper um, after this season, but I think what we found out, too, is that he is more involved than I thought he may have been. Way more involved. And the fact that he basically... Uh, shut down Cam. Yeah. I thought like he was the one that shut down Cam. Yes, he was the one that shut down Cam. I mean, we're, we're breaking this up, but most of the stuff I want to talk about is what happened later. But, yeah, I do feel... And it, it surprised me that at no point in time did you ever hear it, even hear it mentioned earlier that before Seattle, before any of these other games, at no point did you ever hear it even mentioned really that Cam might not play, but you just basically see all the time that you miss. But then David Tepper is the one that finally drops the bomb of like, no, nah, no, he's done. It's it's obviously that he can't throw a pass. Um, And this isn't really spoiler, but, uh, the the practice bubble. David Tepper says, you know, at the end, they said it didn't rain in Charlotte, and it rained almost every single practice that we had. 
So the fact that the Panthers have been practicing in the elements for that long and have been managed and have managed to be a uh, an either a 500 team or a playoff level team every year, even in spite of that, it's kind of crazy to be honest with you. And David Tepper is a man of action and, and how before the show is even over, you hear him talking about the practice bubble, about a new headquarters. I mean, he wants the team to have every amenity uh, uh, possible to be a successful football team. I could not be. I think right now we have the most likable owner in the NFL. And I don't know all of them, but I'm familiar enough with most of them that I can say David Tepper. I mean, I'm a fan of him. Him and I have nothing in common, come from different backgrounds. He has way more money than me. But I feel like I could get along with David Tepper very well. Yeah, well, who couldn't, especially when he's picking up the check. Picking up the check. They here is the when we when we hear and first is that it was mentioned earlier in the show that they did touch on the read stuff, right? They did give it a little time, but they they never kind of spoke with him or had him speak. They did have this one press conference moment. All things we saw, though, all things that were already very visible. One cool thing that we did learn about this show is the process a little bit about the Panthers inquiring with the within players and kind of feeling out beyond just looking at this as a personal personnel issue of a, adding a safety. But some of the things that were going through their mind about the continuity of the team, uh, they met with Tory Smith and Tory Smith was supportive of it. But he just said, uh, and, and I think that they, he had a lot of points about this, that some of the speak is like, well, we're concerned. We don't want to do this, but you can be concerned with anybody to a certain degree. You know, I would be less concerned with someone who's interested in political advocacy and is and is actually pretty articulate and has some good points than adding Des Bryant to the team. Yeah. And you know what I'm saying? like so like if, if your politics are just like we don't agree on policy, but your ass is pretty smart and not breaking the rules and not being a jerk to everybody, then, hey, how bad really is it? And by the way, do you remember when Dave, when they were talking with David Tepper about it? And, and he was talking about what he would later go on to do that, you know, yeah, we're going to bring in Eric and, you know, he won't go to City Hall and, and talk about criminal justice. And, and he was at City uh, Hall with Eric Reed in downtown Charlotte. And so he knew that it was something that was going to be important to Eric Reed. And David Tepper, you know, didn't brush it off. He, he made sure to... Uh, listen to the man and he made good on all of his promises um, and even after Eric Reed did kneel for the first time in Charlotte uh, David Tepper it shows him in the press box and he said see the world didn't end you know and he had the mindset amen yeah. amen and that's what we have been saying so much on this show you know we, we're not going to rehash the politics of, of that we spent a lot of time on it and you know what? It's not getting any better. I mean, you know, coming off the heels of some things that happened here in Greenville, North Carolina recently. But um, one of the things, if anything, 
none of our minds were likely going to be changed around the the circumstances of these protests that happened throughout the league, right? Is that if you thought that they were disrespectful and this and that, and they were indicative of uh, whatever personality you have, you're probably going to keep thinking about that. If you thought that they were inconsequential, this and that, or and uh, and that they're valid and that these guys should be able to do things like that, you're probably going to keep thinking about that, keep believing that. But what you did get was an interesting peek into Cam Newton's leadership. Here's Cam Newton, Ron Rivera asking Cam Newton about the situation. You just give me his number and I'll reach out to him. My thing is this, and I'll let you talk. We don't want no outside distractions. Right, and that's the one thing. The thing we know is this much, is this owner wants to give a form. He said he'll support him. He wants to do press conferences, you know, away from this place. If he wants to do it at City Hall, you know, if he wants to start a forum where there's communication between the churches and the police and all that kind of stuff. That's the thing. Okay. You just you send me his number. I'll reach out to him. I tell him exactly that. I obviously give him, you know, what we all about, and uh, I know he can help us. That's the big thing. We know he can help us. And we're probably in that position. So did we. We knew it, too. Yeah. We told you. Okay. Cool. All right. So what's awesome about this, Cody, is is that this is a giant personnel decision for this team because of all the baggage and all this, that all the issues surrounding, whatever, if, if you think it, just the whole name of it. Who's in that room talking with the head coach? Cam Newton, our quarterback the leader of the offense turns out the Cam Newton's more than the leader of the offense. He was a leader of this team. I was so impressed, not only just with Cam Newton's singular focus, I wouldn't care if he just said, Hey, I love this guy, whatever. But Cam Newton's like, this is about this team, about football. Um, he did. And, and the fact that Ron Rivera wanted him to get his opinion on it and that Cam's the guy that reached out to him. Good Lord, again, Cam Newton's stock is rising, brother. It is, man. And listen, I, I feel in my bones that Cam Newton is about to put everybody on notice this year. And he's about to show everybody. Uh, and, you know, y'all, y'all forgot what, what Super Cam is capable of and all about. So I'm, yeah. I, I, I'm excited. De- this this whole season definitely, definitely left me more excited for uh, the season that we have coming up. And I love the fact that we're on the cusp of training camp on the 24th. The Panthers report to Wofford for what seems to be uh, the final time that they go to Wofford. If um, you go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm just excited. And I'm, I'm happy that it came out fairly soon before the start of the season. So that way we don't have to wait a lot longer to see more Panthers football. Yeah, it's going to be – it's right around the corner. Right. You know, if, if you didn't love Cam Newton before and you didn't love him after that moment where he – that moment where they're talking about Eric Reed, in this episode, Cam Newton is the first one at work, it seems like. He's there at like 5 o'clock in the morning riding an electric scooter or some crap wearing leggings and with a foxtail. My man's got leggings, a foxtail, a scooter. What's not to love about this guy? That's all I could say. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, come on. And by uh, by the way, J Dub uh, out here doing homework for the C three podcast. Uh, August twenty sixth, 
2016 at home against Green Bay in the third preseason game. That's when Colin Kaepernick took the first uh, read and Kaepernick took the Did he take it with Colin Kaepernick the first time, or was that the first Colin Kaepernick signing? That's the question I have for you there. It was sitting down on the bench, and then it turned into kneeling. So that's when Reed joined yeah, him during the Green Bay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, 2016. Did we play them? That's what we need to look. Yeah, did we, we did. Yeah, we played them uh, with two. And, Is uh, that when? That's not when Tolbert. No, Tolbert killed that dude back in like 20. Tolbert killed Reed. Actually, the six degrees of separation. Do you remember? It was Mike Tolbert that murdered Ed Reed at one point. He was cleared. Yeah, Eric. I said Ed Reed. Eric Reed, yes. It was in 2014. I believe it was Eric Reed's rookie season. And um, big old Tolbert trucked him in the open field and gave him a concussion, blasted him. Yeah, I remember that now. Now Yeah, now that you mention it, it was one of those things I didn't know I had forgotten about. Yeah, I do remember that. All right, so the last part of episode three, and then we're going to kind of wrap this show up and we'll bring back some more insight, maybe try to get some guests. Um, I'm hoping the goal is this, is that in the next episode, well, I actually want to get this, is I probably should have gotten them tonight. I'm going to see if T-Bone from WFNZ, who was on the Amazon Prime uh, show when they announced Eric Reed joining that talk, I'm going to see if he can join us for our part two to get a little bit more into that discussion. The last part of this episode three though was um, well, actually there's two, one of the two things is one is let's talk briefly about Luke Keekley being uh, this is where they start showing him looking at film, how fantastic he is at calling out plays. He is the Peyton Manning of defense. That's, that's what he is. He is a Peyton Manning of defense. And, Cody, while I was watching this show on that first night, I tweeted this out. Luke Keekley will be a successful NFL coach. I wanted to say he would be a successful head coach, but at the very least I know he's going to be a successful defensive coordinator. He knows yes. football better than anybody. Absolutely. and it, I mean, he really is like having a coach on the field. So uh, having Luke Kingsley, the fact that he is so prepared on defense, and, and there was even a point uh, in the – I forget when it was in the season, but Thomas Davis was just saying that we don't have to do too much. But us, you know, uh, me and Luke, we just have to be at, at the position to fly around and, and make the play. And I, I really do think that it got away from that a little bit. Um, and yeah, Luke Kickley is the linchpin of the defense and that level of preparation, man. I mean, you trust that every single time. That's why Luke is the best in the biz. Cause it's not just about being a physical linebacker. It's about the preparation. It's about knowing the offense, knowing what formation they're in. I mean, he affects the game in a way linebackers just don't really do anymore. Yeah, this is what it sounds. This is what it sounds like, Cody. Knows it best. Hey, Toby Dollar, ankle right. Head close right over four. Close right yeah. over four. Rats, look the chips. See the pool schemes. Look the cross action check. 
There's one up here that's awesome. Luke Kuechly is one of the top linebackers in the league. Probably because he's one of the hardest working. Hey, Shaq! Shaq! This is it. And the best linebacker in the game, Luke Kuechly, makes the stop. This guy spent so much time in the film room. He picked up on that one very well. Run! Hey! Hey! Counter! Outside run! He studies film like no other. He knows exactly where the ball is going and what you're trying to do as an offense. He read that to perfection. I saw that on tape this week. Once it went four, I was like, I know what you're doing. <laughs> There's one point he says this. He says, that's the play we talked about, Shaq. This is the yeah. play we talked about. And then Shaq goes and makes this great tackle. It's amazing. That was, and and I think it was at Aldley in the chat room who said just a minute ago, uh, I hope he is um, a coach for the Panthers in the future. Someone said that. It might have been Adam Sanders, Aldley. That's a good point is that we need uh, – <laughs> gosh, it's all – man, the funches stuff. That's next week, Aldley. We're going to be talking about – not even next week. We're not going to wait a whole week. We're going to try to drop it, drop it later in the week. But, yeah, Luke Keekley is all that in a bag of uh, Doritos. Makes his own damn fly fishing lures and shit. He's oh, amazing. Is the chips and the dip. That's the truth. Now, the last point, though, after part three or the episode three that comes to light is we meet Graham Gano. We meet Graham yeah. Gano at the highest of highs. Your favorite. But boy, will you see him at the lowest of lows. There's this bizarre exchange between Rivera and Gano. I was talking about his kicking motion. I thought this was weird in episode three. Here's a question for you, Gano. Okay, so you're going to kick and sleeve. What's to say that you don't start in motion? In my steps, yeah, I've done that before. And then kick it. Is that is that legal? Yeah. Does it help? Does it does that help you? Does it help you with distance? Um, no, just because I'm a two step kicker. Okay, so you you can generate enough. So I just I just wonder because I know I know when you kick off and you get your run, you kick shit out of it. I, uh, but you don't when you fucking take two steps, uh, asshole. Come this way. <laughs> Serious, I always wondered that. Would I used to be a uh, three? I used to have a jab and then go into it. And it was more of a timing issue. My time. So they have this conversation, this weird conversation about how his kick emotion. Ryan throwing some tips out there for him. Like maybe you should try running up and kick it. And then at the end of the Giants game, this happens. This will be a sixty-three yard field goal attempt. The NFL record is now sixty-four. That's my favorite. She said, I feel like I'm in a puke. She must be fun to hang out with. Uh, I believe. Yeah. Graham Gano to win the game. Six seconds left from a million miles away. Snap. Spot. Gano's kick is long. It's end over end. And this kick is good. I was so high at that moment. And when I say high, I don't mean 
drug your head, stoned. I mean, that, that, that got me up out of my seat. You're feeling it. Yeah. So that's parts. That's episodes one, two, and three of the All or Nothing, All or Nothing series. And at that point, the Panthers are one, two, three, and one going into Washington. And, uh, man, you just want to – you just at that point in the season – Especially even as late as week 10. Going into week 10 into Pittsburgh, man, we were really feeling that we had something that really could be something. And you felt it in those videos, too. Yeah, and it really felt like we had the the strength and momentum to um, put forth a, a badass season, man. I mean, I remember how we felt. Um, at the start of, you know, after that game and then past Baltimore. I mean, Tony, we were on top of the world. It was my first year really doing the podcast like that. Um, we felt like it was it that, that we had a football chance to kind of compete. Cam Newton had better numbers than during his MVP season. Man, it's just uh, – I mean, it, it really – it does make the heart hurt thinking about what could have been, and especially when you see how important it was to Cam Newton and to so many other people whose final chance to win a Super Bowl it was. And, man, this is so tough. Um, but it, it does – I know that my team knows how to win football games, and they know how to do it. Um, they know how to do it the Panther way, man. They're going to be having fun, high-fiving, doing all that shit. And we're going to be having fun when they do it. Like I said, it just reaffirmed a lot of our values um, and a lot of the things that we believe about the football team. And I'm pumped, man. It has me so pumped about this next season. I'm a bigger fan of so many of these guys uh, now than I was before, and I didn't think that was possible. Except for Graham Gano, because just this, don't worry, <laughs> just like last year, is that oh, you will remember okay. this. That that kick was magical, but there was a lot of freaking missed kicks later in this show that we're going to be talking yeah, about. That was- Wrapping this all up, though, I do want to bring up, I want to shout out to Bill Daughtereve. Daughtereve. Bill Daughtereve, he sent me a message on Facebook to the Carolina Cat Chronicles facebook page and he said this he said guys i'm one of your stitcher listeners uh because i work late at night uh, so i don't get to call the cat calls line um but he said that he wanted to make a few takes when it came to uh this show and his takeaways and he brought he brought up several i think really interesting points to close the show out with number one cody he says old guys versus rookies you can tell a huge maturity difference between cam luke greg yeah, Brad, he says Bradbury, even though Bradbury's not in this show. I promise you that. Yeah, he's not it, it'd be, compared to DJ Moore and Dante Jackson, DJ seemed very shy and, and not talkative. Jackson seemed really whiny and couldn't take any criticism. He said, I think I dislike Jackson now that I know his personality. You know, that's a good point right here is that they feature the Dante Jackson stuff later on in this show about, and you're going to see that Dante Jackson coming out, Cody saying he didn't like the depiction that all or nothing gave him. Yeah. And listen, people can edit in a way that does make him 
that make make things seem worse uh, than they actually were at the time. I don't know, man. But listen, I do know that uh, Dante is a very man. He's a confident young dude, man. He's a burner. He knows that he has all the talent in the world. Sometimes all the talent in the world uh, doesn't work as hard as the person who doesn't have the talent. So they have to put in the extra effort and the work to make sure that they're successful. And you can have all the natural talent in the world, but Antonio Brown might still son you, son. So, I mean, he had to learn the hard way. Yeah, and I I will say to Bill, too, this is that, is look, it's okay to feel that. We see, though, there's a real stark things to see there. But, two, let's, you know, maybe Dante, uh, not maybe, Dante Jackson's not finished growing as a person yet. So you did see him in his earliest moments as a pro and one of a very difficult season to deal with. Yeah, for sure. And uh, thanks you to Adam Sanders for the $2. Shout out to you, Adam. Word up, Adam. Thank you very much. He's been a great part of the show tonight. Uh, And uh, he said, Bradbury is a predator. That's why you need to see him. He's just a shadow. And okay, so here, but I think another one, you'll see this. We'll talk about this in the next show is that DJ, you know, you can see DJ's like a child. And that's not not being insulting. It's it's like he is really like 19. You know, I mean, maybe, maybe he's 21, but he is like a that, but that's also a good thing. If you're doing all that and you are, are you just like still living with your mama and she's still pouring your milk in your cereal? Imagine what he's going to be when he grows up. I mean, he does come off very shy. He's not very talkative. I love when Steve Smith. No, I hated that, man. Come on, DJ. Don't let him talk to you like that, DJ. And if you make back, talk some shit back. If you made me regret starting, you're gonna slap the shit out. Oh, he had to come back. Like he was like, he was like, I don't know how to deal with that. I would say this: maybe he is smart. He's wiser than we give him credit for. You got to be careful when you're talking with Steve. All right. Uh, he said this, Cam. He said, "Glad to see that he is over the top." QLL the time. What does that mean? He, I'm glad to see that he is over the top all the time. To- oh, oh, over yeah, the top all the time. I originally thought he was just a show when cameras on, but that's who he is. You know, Cam's got, got a lot of personality. The drip, the sauce, the swag. It's really there. And wait till we talk about the episode where they show it's good. Damn, how much is how much he spends on his clothes? Good oh, Lord. More God. than the GDP of like Bolivia. And you know what? I, I don't that you and I like notice when Cam Newton is looking extra fly. There was a moment later in the season. I'll just I'll just go ahead and say it now. It was after the New after we played New Orleans at home. Cam Newton had the flyest suit I have ever seen a man wear. Oh, was it that dark navy blue one with yeah, the jacket? Yeah, yeah, that shit was that was, shit was hot. Yeah, that was hot, man. Uh, Cam got the drip, and we take that grip for granted because we see it all the time. But Cam, J Dub said this. J Dub said, "Tony, you wouldn't talk back to Smitty either, uh, or else he would leave you looking like Ken Lucas." <laughs> I would be worried about it. I'd be worried about it. Adam Sanders says Steve Smith would stiff arm you into the shadow realm. This is so back to Bill's comment. Greg is a straightforward old guy, even when he's playing with kids with kids playing football. 
sitting there yelling at his son for take it. He needs to take it serious. I love that. He said he also pictured Luke as quiet and he wasn't. Not a whole lot on him, but that Luke has more person. Like he yeah. is one of the guys, actually. I, yeah, I did feel as though there wasn't a whole lot of Luke or Christian, Christian McCaffrey. I didn't feel uh, that there was a, uh, a enough of a deep dive on them as uh, maybe there should have been, especially Christian, man. And the future that he has ahead of him. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He had a giant season, and we barely even got to hear about any of it. Yeah, you really didn't. I mean, he played a much bigger part. He told the joke about Ethel falling out of the airplane, but you want to save 50 bucks. He was the star of games, but not – you wanted to hear more about him and the game planning of him and Cam, I thought. Yeah. I I definitely – I wanted to, to see some more of the bromance. Bill says, going on. "Yeah, Bill says Reed wasn't. There wasn't a lot of as a lot of Reed as he thought there would be. He's curious to say why. I think we're thinking that Malcolm Jenkins moment. Some different things there. He said dislikes though, and I think he's really on to something that I was wish needing more from this. He said we didn't get the time that other teams got in other in previous seasons. This seems short. If you look at the time, somebody mentioned this to me somewhere." is that these episodes are only like 35 minutes where in the past they may have been 55 minutes, you know, so you got a lot more there. And he said, look, if you look at those past seasons, they got more player perspectives. Uh, This was the Cam show, Cam show, the Olsen show, the Ron Rivera show. I added those back half. He said it was the Cam show, which is fine, but I was hoping to see more of Luke or more family time with other players instead of quick cutaway scenes. And just to add on to that, the most of all, I guess you get is that trick or treat moment. And he says, overall, it was good and enjoyed it. Keep pounding from Vegas. So thanks, Bill, for that comment. And I just skip it ahead a little bit. You're right. Is there so much more? And I was even, I was just thinking of all player moments, all field moments and team moments. But hell, even when they get there's the trick or treating episode in the back in the middle half of the season. They're at Khalil's fucking house, and Matt Khalil's back there, and they don't even mention he's on the damn team. Like, Matt Khalil, is that's the only time he's in this, too. I thought that would have been somewhat of a storyline, starting tackle option down. Why why isn't that? How are the Panthers going to deal? Why was that not one of the questions? The fact that it was Ryan Khalil's last season, and they barely did uh, anything on him, they, they didn't well, really they do they the flowers and the yeah, football they, then. They did, but it, it wasn't really the – I mean, I don't know. It just, it just wasn't the same. Um, I don't know. It, it, I, I just feel there were a few people that were under service. But still, and listen, I, I know I might be biased because I'm a Panther fan, but I, as someone that has watched every iteration of the All or Nothing season, this one felt uh, – it felt the most interesting to me. I get that it's my football team, but I genuinely feel that the storyline. Yeah, that's bias. Yeah, that's the story. Bias. That's but bias. The, the storylines and the characters—they were more compelling, dude. I don't give up. We needed more. We needed. They right left now. us. They gave us a tease. They got. They gave us blue balls almost. They they did, but ultimately, I was happy with the product. Um, I feel it was a fantastic show. Uh, and we're going to try and do, what, one more of these? Two more of these? Yep, yep. All right, so that's it. 
for tonight's show. We will yeah. be here on Tuesday, 9 p.m., talking general Panthers news, kind of getting prepped up for the coming of football, some things now to think about. Uh, we'll be here at 9 p.m. You can catch us on the Cat Calls line. The number is 252-228-5098. We'll also be bringing you one or two uh, – I know one more episode, but I think we're doing two more episodes of the All or Nothing, Double or Nothing podcast. That's our after show. Spoilers are allowed here. Thank you guys so much for joining the podcast, for being a part of Panther Nation. We're growing it from the ground up like you see uh, and you know what? Those guys, they appreciate that support too. Cody, how can they get at you before Tuesday uh, before we come back here and chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective? At Cody Lack on Twitter, C-O-D-Y-L-A-C. Keep pounding. You know where I'm at. Hit me up. Tony Dunn here. Follow us on Twitter at cat underscore chronicles. Make sure you subscribe and do me a solid. Share the show with one friend. Tell them, hey, every Tuesday night we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. We'll see you then. Cody, it was a blast. I'll check you Tuesday. Yeah, boy. Keep pounding. Subscribe to the C3 Carolina Panthers podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or anywhere you can catch an RSS feed. Check out CarolinaCatChronicles.com for the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. Great cash, homie. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.